0: I'm a feminist, but tonight backstage, I argued quite hard with my co-host Grace Petrie that I was in some ways more marginalised than she was because it costs so much more to be femme than to be butch. (laughs) But so much more, but so much more. Grace's girlfriend and I explained to her at length against her will The the concept of the fem tax, which she claimed sounded like a tampon. (laughs) I mean, we acknowledge the ways in which she is marginalised, but it just costs so much, so much time. uh. But also, I mean, I do get 100% of my
2: clothes from the children's department, so um, (laughs) I will uh, concede that I spend quite a lot less, I think, on this... (laughs) Would we call it an aesthetic? I don't know.
0: Um, I would, I would.
2: would. Is it my turn? It is your turn. So I'm a feminist, but I had um, a massage last week. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was on tour in Australia. I've been carrying my guitar around on my back and my muscles were, my back had a really terrible back. So I went for this massage and it was a deep tissue massage. Mm. And it was this really formidable massage therapist like in her 60s with just these really incredibly strong hands and she was just fucking
5: Going
2: to town, like you know, really pulverizing my, my entire back to the point where I was like clinging on to the table, like white knuckling it, just thinking, God, when is this going to be over? And, and after about 12 minutes, she said, How's that pressure? And I said, It's perfect.
0: <laughs> That's the word that I used. Perfect. Wow.
5: Perfect.
0: Did it fix the back in any way?
2: Oh, it's a lot worse.
0: <laughs> I'm a feminist, but backstage, when complaining about the costs of femme gender expression to Grace Petrie, in my defense, I tried to get academic and at one point just said, because of the implications of hegemony, blah, 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 blah. And Grace and Molly looked at me and went, blah, 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 blah. And I went, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Implications of hegemony. Blah, 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 blah,
2: blah. Yeah, it was a real feminist moment. It was the very <laughs> the bastion of, uh, of the philosophy for you there, Deb. Um, uh, so I'm a feminist, but um, uh, last week I was reading uh, an article about a woman who decided to have a throw her daughter a first period party, right? This is a new thing. Uh, and she yeah and so she yeah and she and it's quite no it's quite a growing thing this is in America this woman uh, and her daughter had her first period and so she said we want to celebrate your entering womanhood and held this party and baked her a cake for it and I read that and I thought fuck off (laughs) fuck off get fucked get fucked right right (laughs) get fucked like, honestly, when I, when I was a kid and my mother explained to me what periods were, right, and what happens, right? Um, sorry if any of you don't know, but it's not good. Um, and um, my mum explained to me what was going to happen and I, and I remember being about, you know, six or seven or something and having this explained to me what was going to happen and I was like, are you fucking kidding? Are you serious? Mm. Is, that's, that sounds like the worst thing in the world. Mm. But now, you know, I'm 35, I've been menstruating for like 20 years. And actually, I was spot on, wasn't I? Fucking. Yeah. I was
0: bang on the money. It's true. A party does seem like, and yeah. I mean, maybe it's to try and counteract it. There are various traditions around the world for what happens, but a party does seem. It seems a very contemporary response, doesn't it? It's sort of like uh, yeah. No, yeah. I remember the girls talking about it at school and saying. Um, blood is just going to start rushing out of your legs, between your legs. In legs. Of everyone, between your legs and front fucking of them. hell! I've been doing it wrong. <laughs> but they just said it can happen any time. It's going to be like a waterfall, and yeah. I didn't stop to question why did I not see this happening to mm. women. Um, but yeah, well, I, I was
2: that. so Catholic, I, at Catholic school, so similar. I was remember, I remember because you learn about we well, don't learn, but you get taught about the Virgin Mary, right, from really, really, really young. No, no shade on Catholics, but. Uh, They were, well, some. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Some, but for the right reasons. Um, (laughs) But... And at primary school, they were just going on about what that meant is that she just got pregnant, right? She just got pregnant. They don't really go into what it means to be a virgin, but it's just like, she got pregnant. And I remember being like five years old and being like, oh, I think I, I'm going to get pregnant at any point. <laughs> it's just going to
0: happen. Oh my God, you yeah. thought you were going to be the Virgin Mary. Yeah, That's and I, quite main character syndrome of you, if you don't mind me saying. <laughs> you just assumed that God was going to pop a baby no, in you. I just thought... You were going to be the mother of the second I, coming. I just thought it could happen to
2: anyone. Um, I was like, you know what I mean? When when people talked about trying for a baby, I, I thought that meant praying really hard. Um, it's like they've been oh, really trying. They've been in there every so fucking you, day, trying, so and, trying know, and trying and trying.
0: Extrapolated from the story of the Virgin Mary, that all babies were just surprise presents yeah. from God. Yeah. And they would just be thrust upon you at a time that was neither convenient for you. Yeah. Nor and I remember I remember being welcome. like, fucking hell, yeah, I hope it doesn't happen this year. I got my sats. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's too good. It's too good. Oh God. I'm a feminist, um, but backstage, Grace Petrie and Molly Naylor offered to show me a game they play called Whose jizz is it anyway? And I discovered I'm a lot less sex positive than I've claimed. <laughs> or indeed, advertised. I'm not sex positive at all. They were just like, no, it's really fun. We'll play it on stage. I was like, we won't. Whose jizz is it anyway? anyway but I think we, we will. We, we, we might. We might. If the audience bay for it, who wants to see Whose Jizz Is It Anyway? <laughs> right. who, who would rather not see that? Just, yeah, you're in the minority. Somebody's
2: very enthusiastic about not seeing it, but uh, yeah.
0: Okay, well, we'll see how we go. We'll see how we go. Live from Soho Theatre in London. <laughs> the Spontaneous Shop presents the Guilty. delighted you've come. It's so lovely to be back out with real people in real life and not on screens and things, isn't it? I've still not got over it. I'm still excited that I can touch you. I don't... Do I, 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 sorry, I just, I, I just want to say she put her hand out and that implied consent. I'm not just going around stroking and swiping people as much as I want to. I want to, but I hold myself back because I'm a feminist and I understand the importance of consent, but can I lick you? She, she just went, no. But then someone over here went, yes. So that's nice. Now I've got options. Uh, uh, so early in the night. So, so lovely. So, so lovely. Uh, just give us a cheer if you listen to The Guilty Feminist. Woo! Give us a cheer if you don't know what you're at. Woo! Okay, all right. More people than normal. Do you know that it's a podcast? <laughs> uh, who didn't know it was a podcast? Not when we booked it. <laughs> Not when we booked it. I don't want to assume your gender. Uh, is it okay to call you, sir? Or uh, This one booked it. The, she said, we're going to the theatre. I, I said, great, let's go. What she's brought you to, sir, is a feminist rally. It's not theatre. It's not the theatre, sir. It's not the theatre. It's not the theatre. The the she's misled you and she sat you in the middle of a row where you cannot escape. There's no aisle for days on either side. And if the feminists on either side of this man could just put their legs out, <laughs> pen him in, she 's brought him for a reason i don 't know her, but I know she 's brought him for a reason because you just there 's no need to lie if he would have come willingly. But listen, desperate times, desperate measures, gang come on, we 've been waiting for the patriarchy to change in a nice, slow, reasonable fashion for fucking thousands of years they 've not bothered they 've not even made an attempt, so now we have to use what well, we have to use, sir. Uh, and if that includes comedy and brute force in a delicious cocktail, then it does. Do you, would you call yourself a feminist, sir? Uh, I've come to find out, uh, you've come to find out? Okay, well, he's, he's, he's still talking, but we can't hear what he's saying now, because the rabble, the rabble has been excited. I've come to find out. It's what I find fascinating, and I've said it before, but it's the only thing I can think of these situations is, if I were to have accidentally gone to a men's rights activist rally, (laughs) being told it was the the theatre, and then I was like, oh, I thought this was a play about, oh, I'm actually at one, okay. Firstly, I would stay very quiet and draw no attention to myself. I would not shout out and, and, and get ahead of it, heckling, But if then, if I had accidentally drawn attention to myself, and now amongst all of these men's rights activists, I was the solo feminist thinking, oh, fuck. And somebody pointed to me from the stage, and clearly in a position of power in some way or another, said to me, and are you a men's rights activist? I'm a feminist, but I would go, yes, very much. I'm very... Very keen on the, on the men and the rights and the activism for that. In so fact, I've come to learn more because I feel I need more tools in my box for the rights, for the activists, the rights of the M's, the R's, the... Yes, the A's and the... Ooh. Are there any incels here? Because I, I hate the fact that it's involuntary for you. It's um, a dark joke, isn't it? I'm sorry, I take it back. I retract it... Um, but you've come, you've come to find out... What's your name? Christian. Why are you laughing? I need to know precisely why you found that funny. Because it was Christian. Oh, and you, and you said, oh, God. Yeah, okay, I see. It's an ecclesiastical pun. That's, that's what happened there. That's what happened there. Um... Christian, you is it your wife who brought you? I don't mean to make assumptions. Yep. But I knew it was. Sometimes assumptions are right, aren't they? Sometimes. It's not a third hinge date, is it? I'll tell you exactly who brings people to my show on a, on a third hinge date. Men. That happens all the fucking time. Happens all the fucking time. A man, a man, a man who has been on two very pleasant dates that have ended with an enjoyable kiss <laughs> says I'll plan the next date it'll be something really fun really fun really really fun be really fun really fun and then he brings her to a show called The Guilty Feminist and she laughs loads and he goes I love this show <laughs> about feminism so I'm just so all I care about is equal rights for women You're very safe. You're very safe to touch it. Um, Because it loves equal rights too. It loves... It'll stand up and salute for feminism if you look at it right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. I have got more men in this town laid than virtually anyone else. Because you can see why. I mean, this show is a sort of... I don't know, it feels like uh, a good aphrodisiac, do you know what I mean? People are laughing, they're laughing along, they're having a good time, it's fun. We all come together to be right here, we enjoy how right we are, we leave. We go, that was a lovely evening, being right with other people who agreed I was right. It's a tough environment out there. You've spent all day on Twitter, you didn't feel right there very much, did you? You did feel right, you felt right but wounded, right but argumentative, right but you had to defend yourself. Here you can just be right and relax. Relax in your rightness, Christian. I mean, not you—not you actually—but your wife can. And what's Christian's wife's name? I'm sure she doesn't identify as Christian's wife. She's a feminist. Lola. 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 Do you listen to the Guilty Feminist, Lola? No, I found it by mistake. You found it by mistake. Lola has—Lola has also come on holiday by mistake. Um, Lola. But would you, what drew you here, what drew you to it? Because you must have, did you think it was a play? We had had about 25 people here last night who thought it was a play. (laughs) To the extent where we had to do a short play at the end. (laughs) It was the play that we, we did the play we thought they'd come to see, called The Guilty Family. It was just one scene, it was very poor. Um, Can I ask you, Lola, what, did you think this was a play? a monologue sorry Grace Uh, stand down stand down relax relax it's a monologue what like a one woman show oh I see before and seen something better yes I see that yeah (laughs) it's so far it's very loose isn't it it's very loose it's not like I can do the one that you I've seen before I reckon I could do one of those ones if you want I could have a go I could have a go I'll try hold on one second I only left the house for a roast chicken My mother liked them plump and juicy She said I was the only one of her children that could really identify a proper bird Something
5: you could
0: hold in two hands she the bitterness in her eye, in her voice as if she didn't understand where my father was, <laughs> posing a very different bird. Plank and juicy, both hands squeezing,
4: <laughs>
0: as I squeezed the rotisserie chicken in a tinfoil bag, <laughs> checking. Later, they would run down my chin as I sat in front of Saturday afternoon television. Something about Cary Grant pursuing a woman relentlessly, as if that were meant to be romance. I sneaked it in with the chicken juices sucked on the bone, believing that one day my Cary Grant would come and relentlessly pursue. You, me wear me down, <laughs> wear my insides out. <laughs> <laughs> podcast no, which is apparently four of you <laughs> I always have a co-host and tonight I have a very special co-host one who has traveled around Australia and New Zealand with me doing the show one who has done so many UK tour dates with me one who I absolutely know and love and one who won't usually come to London because she lives up north and why would she she will come to Australia with me a 24-hour flight before I can get her to fucking London but tonight Soho, she said, if it's Soho Theatre and if it's Saturday night, I will come. (laughs) Please put your hands together and make extraordinary noises for the wonderful Leicester legend. It's the one and only Grace Petrie. (laughs) Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Mm.
2: Gosh, the the, the north.
0: Well, you're
2: you are from the north.
0: Where are I you? I am not the from the north. But you are from the north, but you're currently living from I neither m- live nor I'm from the north. Well, where are you living at the moment? Norwich. Well, okay.
2: That's is, not exactly it, it, the north. It is hundred percent in the east. Then oh, local is use is north? called
0: Look East. Is it North East is in office.
2: I think in oh. my mind, she's just losing the UK audience bit by bit at the time. I
0: wasn't. No, listen, I wasn't raised here, and you told me you were moving to Sheffield. My sister-in-law lives in Sheffield, and that's—I know it's the Midlands, but it's Sheffield. north of the Watford Gap. Sheffield is in the north. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. that's in my mind. You moved from Leicester to the north. I, you, yes, you're stopping in Norwich, but that's not my fault. All my responsibility. I'm fine. Try, I, I try and keep up with you, but you live in different places. I live in different places. I'm in the north. I'm, uh, I'm all over the place. I think, I think people I... who don't live in London live in the north or the home county. <laughs> I, I, I believe in people who live in the home counties, and I understand there are people who live in the north.
2: Yes. I'm sort of blindsided by the chicken monologue.
0: Um, <laughs> mentally, I'm still licking my fingers. Aren't we all? <laughs> Aren't we all. Are they, you know, but no, I
2: just wanted because I don't. I've got nothing against London. Um, I just no, don't want anybody I was just, to think that I'm.
0: I was just like it was sort of just something to say. I hadn't planned it much like the chicken monologue. No, no, it no. it was just something to say that sort of made you seem special. Oh, absolutely. So it was sort yeah. of like I can't get her here, but tonight she's come for you. Yeah, you've now killed that. I, I'm sorry, I did. I just, want, I just wanted. I
2: just all wanted you to know because I do live in Norwich. Yeah, I came <laughs> via fucking
0: Peterborough to be here, guys. So. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Thanks very much. Yeah. I'm, I'm really sorry. Look, I've no. toured this country so many times. I'm not good at song lyrics or geography. So if you live elsewhere and you're hearing this bit because Tom's left it in, please don't be insulted that I don't know. I mean, I know Newcastle is really close to Scotland mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah, I've got a sense of Manchester. Yeah. I just am not, I'll be in the tour van and I'll yeah. be like entertaining, you know, Stuart, <laughs> our driver. And, and me. <laughs> Monologues galore in the tour van, you know. I do quizzes yeah. for Stuart, our tour manager. Do yeah, pub quizzes did, late yeah. at night. He said most other comedians just get in the car and fall asleep, which is fair enough. But mm. I like to entertain him because I worry about you know it's a long. He's worked harder than us, and so I just think you know
2: nobody works harder than him.
0: Nobody works yeah. harder than Stuart. But
2: because also also, if Tom does leave this in, please don't leave in that I said fucking Peterborough either. Because you there's need to be one there. or two
0: people listening in Peterborough, I think. Yeah, yeah. They and they'll write in.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah. They've got fuck in. all else to do, mate. They're in Peterborough. Do you know what?
0: Please do leave that in, Tom, because I just want to see the fallout now. I wanna see. They've got nothing else to do because they live in fucking Peterborough. Yeah. If everyone doesn't tweet, Grace said that tonight, I'll be very disappointed. They don't have the internet in Peterborough. <laughs> Oh, she's doubling down. Is anyone here from Peterborough? No. Of course not. Of course not. People from Peterborough don't leave. Um, if you've ever written into the Guilty Femmes to complain about something, cheer now. No, they don't. I think maybe the ones who, who complain don't come. I don't know. People, people complain a lot. Most of these people don't know what the show is, to be honest. They. <laughs> They were, they'll be happy. The show has peaked for a lot of people because they really came to see a chicken monologue and they've had it. Yeah, it's. And that's,
2: darling, it's peaked for me backstage. Fucking hell. I was, yeah, I was enthralled. Do you know, do you know
0: funnily enough, a man taught me to improvise. Uh, that's so patriarchal the way I've said that, isn't mm. it? A man taught me to improvise. A woman didn't bother. That's what mm. I've sounded like. No, the reason I'm saying a man, it was also a woman, um, Patty Styles, who taught me to improvise, but she was taught by Keith Johnston. And he, in the 50s, he worked at the Royal Court and then at RADA and he wanted to improvise on stage in the 60s and you weren't allowed to because every text that was performed on stage had to be taken to the Lord Chamberlain's office and they had to red pen anything that they thought was not fit moral content or you couldn't make fun of the royal family, you couldn't you know, say anything that was not blasphemous. Not fit moral content. Oh, that content's fit, isn't it? Oh. Sorry. Not, not that kind of fit. I'm not gonna... like, whoa, moral content. Sorry, I see moral content,
2: and I just get horny, I don't know.
0: Uh, <laughs> that chicken monologue's really set you it's off. It's really, I, yeah. um, I haven't even got to the part about the Pope's nose. Um, so, is that what you call it here? Parson's nose, you call it here. I was raised in Australia. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> okay. Anyway, Keith actually moved to Canada because it was illegal to perform improvisation on the stage here until 1969 because the Lord Chamberlain couldn't set the text. And Keith said, well, maybe send somebody down with a bell from the office. And if we do anything you don't like, just ring the bell because he thought that would be really funny and a great impro game. Um, anyway, they said no. So he ended up moving to Canada because you could perform improvisation in theatres. And he said it was so embarrassing because he said these Soviet Union theatre companies who would come to tour, you know, to perform their great... Uh, their great art, um, would sympathise with the British theatre companies and say, it must be awful for you with this terrible censorship. And he was like, they were from behind the Iron Curtain and we were like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. Um, And so he moved to Canada, but he wrote this very seminal book in the 70s called Impro, Improvisation of the Theatre. When I was in a cult, as many of you will know in many of you who Christian, you won't know this. I was I was a Jehovah's Witness, Christian and Lola, and uh, my parents became Jehovah's Witnesses when I was fourteen. So I had a pretty regular childhood until I was fourteen, and then I didn't get out till I was in my twenties. I was over here, and I had to get out, and then I got cut off and shunned by the Jehovah's Witnesses. And so in that time, it was very stultifying because I'd gone from a kid at school who was into absolutely everything, and I was acting, and I I was doing debating and playing in the school band and everything that I could possibly be doing and I was so excited to go to university and on the evening of my baptism these two elders came and stood on my parents' driveway and said, you can't go to university um, because it's worldly and you'll commit fornication and you'll learn about evolution. Um, (laughs) (laughs) In that order. (laughs) I mean, it's all part of the same, I suppose. Survival survival of the fittest. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, there was something called Theatre Sports on the Television, which I didn't know it was a format that Keith Johnson had invented. I went to a workshop. I wasn't meant to. I snuck off and went to a workshop. The elders didn't know. And I started getting secretly involved. I had a secret double life with the sort of Who's Lies It Anyway star mob... Um, It wasn't, there was no sex, drugs or rock and roll. It was literally just yes and, Mm. and like games, fun games where you'd put your arms to and things like that. But it was just, you couldn't do anything wildly. And they told me to buy this book called Improvisation of the Theatre and it just changed my life. I was to sort of read it under the covers because it was all about freeing your mind. And it wasn't porn. No. (laughs) It was all about freeing your mind. And I want to talk a bit about it later but I learned to improvise secretly while a Jehovah's Witness and uh, as soon as I left, the day I left, I found improvisation in London and learnt from a woman called Patty Stiles who had worked with Keith and then went to Canada to work with Keith. Um, and the reason I'm talking about this is there's no way I could do anything I do without Keith and Patty. There's no way, nothing. Every Podcasting's just opening your mouth, starting a sentence boldly, assuming your brain will find some way to finish it. That's all it is. And... It was the only trauma healing I had was improvisation. Healing, sort of stopping the bleeding with Keith's book and the workshops I could sneak off and attend and the shows I could go to while at Jehovah's Witness. And then all I did after I left for years, other than go to university, was improvise, 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 improvise because it's about trusting yourself and being in the moment and trusting your partner. The reason I'm telling you this is Keith died this week. And I had no idea that I would improvise a monologue at all, like, why would I have done that? That's crazy. But when Lola said it's a, I thought it was a monologue, I thought, oh, I've been to lots of shows at the Soho Theatre. I I reckon I can do something like that because Keith and Patty told me to trust myself. And when I was in a cult, it was all, don't trust your heart, Uh, no independent thinking. It was all about locking yourself down and it took a lot to open that up again. And so I just want to say, uh, Keith, you've now gone to The Great Moose in the Sky um, that's where he would say, if you had a bad show, the impro gods weren't smiling, send it to the Great Moose in the Sky. If you had a good show, celebrate the Great Moose in the Sky, it's nothing to do with you. His company was called The Loose Moose, I should probably explain that. Um, and so, wherever he is now, he's. I feel like he's always with us now, because his energy is always with us. So, that unexpected monologue that I uh, improvised tonight, I'll send the audio of it to Patty, because she'll really love it. Um, she happens to be over here, she lives in Australia, and she happened to be over here the other day, and... Um, Uh, We just got to have lunch and sit down. So I just want to say, I want to celebrate those people because, you know, if I hadn't found that, I would have found something and I would have survived and I would have found a way to thrive. But the sliding door I went through had Keith and Patty on the other side and they held me and they showed me how they'd fixed their trauma and they paid that forward. So I just want to say, if you've got a drink to Keith... If you haven't ever read his book, Keith Johnston's Impro, I mean, it was written in the 70s, so there are some things that may land on your ear as dated, but it is, if you read it with an open spirit around the anxiety we all carry around with us and the way we're all trying so hard to be good, then you will get so much from it. Mm -hmm. And funny enough, that is the theme tonight, because our guest has a show called... Stop trying to be fantastic. Stop trying to be fantastic. And that's what Keith would always say. There's a total coincidence. It was The, the theme was chosen uh, by a guest. And she said, it's called, my show's called Stop Trying to Be Fantastic. And I went, oh my God, that's exactly what Keith would always say. He'd say, stop trying so hard to be good. And Patty would say, go out on stage to say yes and be average. Um, and uh, one time I was really struggling with improv and I said to Keith, I felt like I'd got to a place where I was good good at it, you know, and I knew how to do it. And then something happened and I felt locked. And I said to Keith, I just, I don't know what's going on. Can you watch me? And he watched a show that I was in and he went, ah, I know what's wrong. He said, it's not enough to be okay with being average or failing. He said, you've got to enjoy being bad. <laughs> oh my God, it totally changed my way. I went out the next show to enjoy being bad. I'd never been better. It's the irony. We're yeah. holding all this tension. And I've been doing that my whole career and I never even met this guy. <laughs> it's just incredible, isn't it? The, the connections we have. Um, this is The Guilty Feminists, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and our hypocrisies and insecurities, which...
5: Undermine them.
0: Thank you. If you didn't know that, it's undermine them. And if, I feel like we should let everyone else in on that now. Our hypocrisies and insecurities, which... I do them. Do you know, I saw Christian join in there. I really loved it. Yeah. Well done, Christian. How, what do you think of the show so far, Christian? i right, getting the whole thing. <laughs> You're getting the whole thing? the whole thing. We are getting the whole thing You've got no choice, Christian. Lola, <laughs> Lola, is it so far better or worse than you expected? Uh, Very good. Very <laughs> okay, good. good. I mean, I feel you're our trust pilot, true reviewers, because other people have come in here with conceptions. They're like, "I love this show," and they're just happy to be in the room with us. To be honest, they're not going to review this. They're just going to go five stars because we get to be here. You are going to be the true trust pilots, okay? Lona and Christian, you're my trust pilots. I will come back to you every now and again and just check in. Yeah. But at the end, if I forget, could just, someone remind me, Grace or someone in the front row? Could you just remind me check in to see how many stars they give it on Trust Pilot, okay? Hello Guilty Feminists, this is Deborah. We have some shows coming up. If you're in London, we will be at the Soho Theatre on the 30th of May and the 31st of May. And we will be at King's Place on the 5th of June, the 22nd of June and the 24th of July. For tickets, go to guiltyfeminist.com and click on live shows. My play, Never Have I Ever, is at Chichester Festival Theatre from the 1st to the 30th of September. Tickets are now on sale, but I'm glad to say they're going fast. So if you'd like to see it, go to CFT. and look for Never Have I Ever with the incredible Susie Wakoma, Alexandra Roach and Greg Wise and more. And on the 21st of August, there will be a special episode of The Guilty Feminist from Chichester, where hopefully we'll be talking all things Never Have I Ever. Join our Patreon to get ad-free episodes and to support the show. And if you go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, Uh, and give any episode of The Guilty Feminist that you thought was good five stars. We'd really appreciate that. Also, if you could tell someone you know with your face or on a WhatsApp group or on a social media platform that you enjoy The Guilty Feminist and share that with them, it really helps spread the word about the show. Thank you so much. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you coming out live. We appreciate everything you do and supporting any of the activist or artistic causes we share with you. And now, back to the podcast. Our guest today is
2: the co-creator of Sky One's After Hours. Um, she is a poet, a theatre maker and uh, an incredible all-round legend. I didn't think I'd have to do this and she's also my girlfriend. Um, her, her upcoming show
0: her is Her upcoming show is coming very soon... To London. <laughs> the whole of it. And to the mic, the incredible Molly Naylor! Wow.
6: Wow! What an introduction. Guys, I'm going to do a poem for you. How do you feel about... How do you feel about poetry? (laughs) Well, that's very kind of you. Um, For those who said nothing, um, I'll explain a bit about poetry. So poetry is like comedy... Um, but without the jokes, um, it's like the sort of earnest younger sister of poetry. So I'm just going to do you a little poem, which is about this whole thing around Stop Trying to Be Fantastic, which is the name of my show. Um, and I noticed, so about 10 years ago, I noticed a lot of language on social media about, about kind of success and the way it was, it was starting to be couched in this quite like violent way. You know, there's a lot of talk about like crushing it and smashing it and like winning at life and killing it and slay, Do you know what I mean? Um, and so at the same time, I noticed there was loads of discourse as well about like self care and self love and like, you know, buying scented candles and like mindfully wanking yourself off in the bath and like all of this stuff. And I, it struck me that, and, like, with the kind of like killing it, slaying it language, it's, it was often just like someone being like, yeah, I'm fucking kicking the dick off life. But then there'd just be a picture of them like having a crumpet. And it struck me they were all under this pressure to be like killing it. But maybe if we weren't putting ourselves under that much pressure to be smashing it, we wouldn't need so many hundred-pound scented candles. I, th- I feel like maybe the answer is that we could all just sort of lower the bar and be a bit more shit. <laughs> Who's with me? <laughs> so, so this is sort of my manifesto to, to bring you into my cult of averageness, um, and it's uh, it's called You're All Right. You're all right. You are. You're fine. You're six out of ten. You're medium cheese. Don't love yourself. Accept yourself. Who's got time to love themselves when the floods are coming and there's a new season of succession? You're all right. You are your yogurt and that's fine. You're not a tiramisu, but you don't have to be a tiramisu. Tiramisu for breakfast is too much. You're all right, you are, you're not particularly inspiring, but you're relatively kind, so just buy me a lager and don't murder me. And just a normal lager, please, not an 8% craft beer with amazing graphic design, just a lager, like Cronenberg, like we used to think was fine. You're all right, you are, you are acceptable, and what more does anyone want? You're an apple, you're fine, you're a biro, it works, your flowers from the SO, they're still flowers. What, are you, uh, what do you have for tea tonight? Jacket potato? Yeah, good. Do that. I know it's not paleo, but you don't have to do paleo. That's for Hollywood and cunts. (laughs) Going swimming, are you? Doing butterfly, are you? Don't. Just do breaststroke. Stop trying to do butterfly. It's weird. (laughs) You're all right. You are. There's no shame in you. You're You're like when someone has a Q in Scrabble and they use it to spell queen. It's fine. You don't impress me much. And I like that, I don't need to be impressed all the time, I'm 39, I've seen Stonehenge, I've seen a fish eat a duck, I've met Robin Ince, just crack on, you're fine. You're all right. you are, you're a work of art, you're not a work of art, you're a doodle of a hair or a photo taken by a mum on an iPad, but if we open our hearts, we can find you very poignant. You're all right, you are. You're occasionally funny. You're six out of ten. You're an apple. Enough. A biro. Enough. A yoghurt. Enough. A hedge. Enough. Your hair's nice when you wash it. You're medium cheese. You're a jacket potato. Perfectly good. Adequate coffee. 4 99 wine. Cronenberg. Joke, I love you. You're fine.
0: Thank you. such a nice show can you just I just so lovely to have you here we're really having a nice time Thank please you. join us um can you tell us what made you want to do this show and call it this title
6: yes well I just i have been talking to a lot of people and I've re- I felt like there was a lot of people experiencing the same thing which was this pressure to kind of be amazing and winning at life and all of that stuff um but also I started doing research into um the kind of I was looking at, like, Buddhism and Stoicism, and I was looking at, like, the strategies that we use to escape from our pain and discovering that, like, often the strategies that we use become our personalities. And that is something that I have as a, like... So the show is about, like, my entire 30s, and it goes through those strategies of, like, people-pleasing and trying to be fantastic in a variety of ways and altruism, trying to, like, give everything and workaholism, so all of these different strategies and kind of unpicking them to kind of accept that the trauma that we've all faced at some point is eventually going to catch up with you and to try and just like feel that pain and have a look at it rather than running away from it. So it's all about that kind of stuff, all sort of under the umbrella of just trying to be a bit more fucking, oh, do you know what? Just have a sit down and a bit of a sandwich.
0: Mm. That's my show. (laughs) We all
6: just sit down, have a bit bit of a sandwich. sandwich.
0: How, I I mean, the reason I started this show was really that I felt I desperately wanted to be part of the new feminist movement that was happening in the mid you know, point of last decade in around 2015. Um, but I. Need, <laughs> and all that blah, blah, blah. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But I felt like I don't know if I'm good enough. And I felt this pressure like feminism had become one more thing to be excellent at, mm. and that there's always this pressure for women to be excellent. Um, I did an event for International Women's Day, and it was for women who were in the. Um, uh, building industry, like you know, built, literally going on to building sites and stuff. And most of the room were women. There were a couple of men. And I said, I was asking them about their experiences and they were all saying, yeah, you know, the first time I went on a building site, I was just like, I have my overalls and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And they all talked about their strategies for fitting in and, you know, the things that have been difficult and the ways that they they've all had different strategies and some of them the same and some successful and some not. They all related to going off and crying. And I just said to one of the men, like, because he was works at the office and then he goes down to the building site sometimes and I said you know is this something that you relate to because you're in the office and they might think oh you're a pen pusher and, and he went no and I said so when do you go down to the building site like, do you you're not trying hard to fit in or anything you went and he went no I just rock up and do what I want mm. and every woman went well you're not trying at all and he went no you no. <laughs> when have you ever tried and he went I can't remember it and then so I said to another man, do you try hard to fit in or do you, do you have to feel you have to prove yourself, you know, in, a, in, a, in this gig because there's lots of guys going, and he went, "Um, uh, he was trying so hard, poor guy, to think of a moment where everything hadn't been as easy as possible for camaraderie to encourage us. Yeah. He couldn't. He couldn't. No. And it's like, I, so I do think sometimes the pressure on women, especially in male-dominated environments... To be excellent to prove that we are allowed a seat at the table or whatever plus then be good at feminism all the time and also and then there's the sort of and have you done your self-care have you done your self-care have you done self-care this week i feel like i need self-care to get over the feeling that i should be doing self-care
6: yeah a hundred percent and i feel like it it's this irony isn't it that we i feel like we see our friends and we mm. want to tell them we're doing well and especially like You know, in the arts, and we want to be like, I've achieved this, and I've done this, and I've done this. And actually, it makes it alienates people. It makes people feel worse. What people Mm. want to hear about is your fuck ups and your mistakes and your and the things that you've learned from those. And yet, we feel too vulnerable, I think, to share those a lot of the time. We're too busy being like, here's what I've done.
5: Mm. I'm nailing it,
6: and it's like I'm fucking not. I mean, to be fair, your name is
0: Molly Nailer. I know that is hard. I don't don't think it. I don't think that your name doesn't encourage anybody else to get out of bed. (laughs) We just think she's really nailing it. She's the nailer.
6: I was going to do a podcast called "Not Nailing It," but spelled uh-huh. with Y, and it was about failure. But then Elizabeth Day did one yeah, ha- called "How yeah. to Fail," yeah. which yeah, I found really annoying. It's annoying when someone does your idea better mm. um, and actually does it rather than just talk about it in the pub.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, her, her podcast what is absolutely you. huge now. She has super, super famous people on. But it is interesting. I listen to her a lot because I I love hearing somebody that you think, oh my god, they've got this. You know, they won the Booker Prize, but then they go, yeah, but I failed GCSE maths and everyone said I wouldn't amount to anything and then my first job I got fired and you think oh thank God I mean things have normally turned around for them by the time they're 22 to be honest but and then they just <laughs> yeah, go on to when win book, book a prize after book a prize but still it's just nice to hear that they sucked at least once and it three times because that's their show do you how do you feel about all of this Grace do you, are you relating to this no I'm very successful <laughs>
2: No, I do, absolutely, yeah, big time. And, uh, and I think, well, I think it's a lovely... Uh, what I like is that the show is called Stop Trying To Be Fantastic, but then it is actually a really fantastic show. Um, Oops.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but that's what Keith says. Keith says when you try, who I referred to earlier, I don't know if you heard that part. Yeah. Um, but Keith and Patti would always say, if you, trying your best is not your best strategy. And when you're doing improvisation, if you come out on the stage and think this has to be good the censorship will kick in and that is this good enough? Is this good enough? Is this good enough? And you don't trust what's your first idea. You don't trust your obvious and you're not just in the moment. Mm. So actually, your best shot is trying less hard sometimes, but it's really difficult for us to combat years of Training. Do you, you know, know
6: training? And also, like, late capitalism, because, like, obviously we're in this society, so there's this thing called the hedonic treadmill. You've probably heard of it where it's like you achieve one thing and you think, oh, I'll be really happy once I've, like, got that promotion or whatever it is. I don't understand jobs, but I assume promotions are involved so you get something and then it's like but it, but it won't it won't make you happy because we're designed to be like want the next thing and the next thing and the next thing so it's mm. I'm trying to like undo that and, and, and I suppose that's why people do like gratitude journals and things mm. but then they're like a £100 in a posh shop like you were saying so actually, a posh shop that's, that's quite like a fun mum thing to say wasn't it posh a posh shop, shop. Posh shop. it's because uh, we
0: live in the north <laughs> <laughs> a posh shop like M&S yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think we underestimate the tensions we're carrying in the 21st century. We talk a lot. It's it's like a cliche to talk about social media and, oh, you make sure. But constantly, we're constantly seeing, if we're on our phones as much as I think we are, or as much as I hope everyone else is, because I am, I'm really concerned for our brains because it's not just, oh, she's had a nicer holiday or she's won a BAFTA. It's not just that. It's all of the news and everyone's, every single person's take on every single story. Yeah. And I think it's just tensing our bodies to such an extent and our clouding our brains to such an extent. And the expectation of, the ambition now everyone lives with. Like I think in my parents' generation, there was just a, a much lower expectation of what would be achieved in, if, if, you, if you had a family and fed them. That was the goal. It yeah, wasn't that the was the Like you talk about, you know, you don't understand jobs because you're a poet. There's only really one promotion for a poet, isn't there? And that's laureate. <laughs> so it's yeah. you go from nothing, same, 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 and then laureate. But
2: that. Well, I think, no, first it's you know it. <laughs> <laughs> you're a poet, you know <laughs> it.
6: Laureate.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, ha, ha. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's and poet, now it's laureate. Poet, now laureate. And that's, poet, and that's, and and that's what I'm going
6: for. I think well, I'm. Where are you at the I'm moment? I'm still you a do, poet.
0: You, no, you definitely know it because I'm do you doing it? a show. Well, okay, next up, laureate. It. If your book is published, you know it. Okay.
6: I think. So we need a campaign now to get me to laureate. What's. Who's. Why, how long Simon Armitage got left? <laughs> how what, long to do they live? Get? To live, yeah. To is it a is job for life? Is it
0: like being the king? I don't know. Oh, it might. No, because didn't someone. Stop! A it's a, a decade. decade. Fuck, Fuck me. It's um, a decade. Yeah. Thank you. I think the next one's going to be Lem say. That's fair. I think that's not, really more than m- fair. Not Molnay.
6: <laughs> Sweet Molnay. Lem L'em-sus- Molnay.
0: No, I think that I think that's going to be the next one. But listen, I hope you are poet laureate. Thank you. But um, this is the
6: thing. It's like I don't need to be. It's okay, I've got a nice life. But like ambition is so prized, isn't it, in our mm. culture to be like, well, what's next? What's Do you next? Know, you know who
2: did have this figured out though? Who? Billy Joel. <laughs> don't go changing yes. to be Poet Laureate. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know?
6: Um, I actually... I, can I t- just tell you yeah. about Simon Armitage quickly? Yeah. Because I actually have some personal beef with him. So Thanks. I my first ever poetry proper poetry gig i was like kind of supporting him my friend runs a bookshop and he like put me on in front of him for 10 minutes right and then that same friend published a little pamphlet of my poems very exciting and um he gave one to simon armitage hoping that simon would be like oh i'll do something with this um and and then simon armitage couldn't remember me and my friend was like you know remember molly remember you did this thing and he was like oh yes the bubbly blonde Right, so obviously I was fuming and I just hated him for years, told everyone that story, slagged him off around the whole of um, the North and,
4: and then so I,
6: saw, I saw my friend recently and like brought this up with him again for a bit of banter and he, he was like, oh no, I just made that up to wind you up, didn't happen. So I know I know this is an emotional journey for you all. Simon Armitage is a good man, but
0: yeah, you know. So if you please, so prov- if you correct this, if, if there are rumours all around Poetry Town, yeah, that Simon Armitage is a massive sexist, yeah. it's because your friend made it up and then you spread that. I spread the fuck out of rumor. it, yeah. Simon Armitage, if you're listening, we can only apologise. I'm really I sorry. I would love you to go on Elizabeth Day's How to Fail and say my biggest failure was slandering the good name of Simon Armitage. Yeah. And then have her, have Simon Armitage come out from behind the curtain. Let's make it happen. Um, Yeah. (laughs) What are our suggestions for being less fantastic? Like, how can we take the pressure off? Because I think the three of us Mm -hmm. are are examples of people who, for whom, like we're sitting here saying this, but I, I don't know about you actually, Molly. I know that Grace and I, I know Grace well, and I feel, is that okay to say I know you well? I think I do. You know me very well. Okay. What are you going to fucking say first? <laughs> I think. You, to see where this is going. I think you and I try hard, are ambitious, and uh, and I say that not in a bad way. Not because I feel like a woman saying she's ambitious. It's like oh, I knew it. She's ambitious. She wants something. Well, if a man <laughs> is ambitious, it's good. He should because he's got mouths to feed. He doesn't. He's <laughs> he's a comedian. He just goes from town to town. with no responsibilities probably why is it okay for him to be ambitious and not me but I don't think I'm ambitious in a bad way I'm apologising I've said I'm ambitious I'm embarrassed but I want things to change and I want me to be there when they change and I'm excited for it but how do I not kill myself in the process I think that's okay I think it's just separating your
6: worth from those achievements oh no that's not possible (laughs) (laughs) but this is the irony it's like doing this job I think always does come from a place of damage like you guys are probably fine you're just having a nice Saturday evening like this is our this is what we've chosen to do because we need this it does come from a place of damage and so we have therapy and we sort it out but then we get to this point point, we're like, well, it is my job now and I'm 40 so I have to just crack on and try and, and I don't know.
0: I, I mean, it's a, it's a nicer job than some though in some ways. I'll tell you what, it's a nicer job when you're doing it, the travelling you have to do to do it, like touring and things Hashtag like that. Peterborough. <laughs> Peterborough in now because it's a running gag and you are going to get emails and do not send them to me because I didn't say anything mean about Peterborough at all and if I did Tom edited it out I don't think not touring Peterborough is going to be the end of my career you're (laughs) not welcome you'll be run out of time who here can everyone just close their eyes so no one can see anyone else if you think you are and by damaged traumatised like don't don't take that the wrong way but if you think you understand what Molly means by damaged and you think you're damaged go hmm if you think that something to do with your job, career, or how you define yourself in that way, is in fact attached to your worth, say, hmm. Hmm. Mm. interesting. More mm. people think that their career is their worth in some way than than are damaged, interesting. Um, if you would like to put less worth into your career and more just into your human, your breathing, you're getting out of bed without crying, it's almost you know, half the week, whatever. If you'd like to just breathe and be, and for that to be enough, and for that to be your self-worth, along with kindness, go, mm. Mm. If you think that could happen, go, mm. Mm. Hardly anyone. <laughs> right, okay.
6: But I think if you went to see a show that was on in London, at 2 North Down on like, the 25th of May, called Stop Trying to Be, you might... Find out, you know, you never know. I don't know, just so saying. You're only doing the show once in London? Yes, once in London, three times in Plymouth, though, so get yourselves down there. Are a you, bit of a Plymouth. Are you from? Just like Plymouth, lovely. And once in Norwich, which is good. Okay, so we're Plymouth,
0: Norwich over here. Plymouth Fascinating. Uh, okay, uh, so if you'd like to go to Plymouth and Norwich, Molly Naylor will be there. Um, Molly, yeah. do you have another poem for us? Uh, yes.
6: I'll do. But also if the... you're
0: going to be in London. <laughs> I feel like that's more convenient for most of
2: us, right?
6: When, it... is, when is London? Um, I think it's the 25th of May. You need to know that. I
0: do that's, know that. I should
6: have looked before. There, Grace or, go out, to look it up. I'll
0: look it up. You should have been more fantastic about knowing your date in London because <laughs> these people will come if you tell them where it is. Yeah. If you build it, they will come, they will but come. only if they know where it is. <laughs> can't just build it and then just be like... I th- even with the, that field of dreams, he probably advertised it, didn't he? Probably put it on Facebook.
2: Molly Naylor's Stop Trying To Be Fantastic is at uh, 2 North Down on the 22nd of May. <laughs> how you are they, way off. How can they book tickets? Uh, on the internet that they don't
0: <laughs> but where it's a big place it's a big um, place there's a, there's a link there'll be a link on Molly's website uh, what's Molly's website
2: mollynaylor.com
0: should you say yes. this bit yes dot com N-A-Y-L-O-R yeah. like Naylor I don't even know her <laughs> I hardly know her that's it it's hardly know. Her. I'll do it again <laughs> Naylor I hardly know her I <laughs> don't even also, know her <laughs> also she's Grace's girlfriend so it'll be awkward I don't that's... know. We've been together
6: three years nearly. So,
0: shall know. I leave you guys to it? Molly's going to do another poem now.
6: Yes, I am. Um, so, and then are we going to do Who's Cheers? Oh, oh, yes, yeah, yeah, we yeah. need to do Who's Cheers. Um, so, I thought I thought this about is, so is a, a, I, I think it's a poem about therapy. How do you, do you is anyone having therapy? <laughs> well, that's very good. Um, so, I feel like when I was a, in my 20s, I would date people and the date would go like this it would go like, hello. I'm Molly and I'm perfect and they would go hello I'm whoever and I'm perfect and then we'd spend the the next like few hours or months or years disappointing each other. So now I open with my baggage and I open with my pain and my trauma and like that you know you could say that isn't a good idea but I've snagged this one so you know <laughs> so this one what, um, what am I like? A man from the 90s? Awful. Um, so this is about that. It's called Exhausted by My Brilliant Solitude, I Consider Introducing Someone to My Body and My Ghost. That was a working title, and then I just ran out of time.
0: It's still working.
6: They don't recommend getting your ghost out for the lads. Not at this age. Ghosts are for fantasists. Kids, cannabis confessions parked up by the reservoir in old boys' cars. Adult-sized people want to watch long-form TV with those who don't look haunted at all. But I'm friends with my ghost. We have found a rhythm. She has a certain dystopian charm and she's generous with her cigarettes. <laughs> and what if this time I've found someone whose ghost gets on with mine? Our ghosts could drink or fuck while we were free to roam. Adventures would be easy and we would fall asleep anywhere as we'd both know what's hiding in the dark. Thank you. Someone went like this, mm, which is the um, best reaction to a poem that you can have. Who's Jizz, though? Who's Jizz? So here's, Sorry, that was a beautiful poem. Now thanks. tell me, whose Jizz is it anyway? So I'm a feminist, but I spent last weekend in a hot tub in Margate inventing this game, Who's Jizz, where, thank you, Margate. Didn't get much, which I like, because I don't really respect Margate and the people who choose to move there. It's just Hackney, isn't it, with the
0: nice C. Oh, um, no. Apologies. Lo- loads of my um, friends live in Margate now. I know,
6: but that's probably because they were cool London guys, and then they got tired and now that is the truth. When isn't a it? man
0: is tired of London, he goes to Margate. <laughs> he goes to Margate. <laughs> I, I, I like Margate and all who sail in her. No, so is I'm lovely. going to defend Margate, but continue on. OK, so we're in this hot tub, and, we, and my friend
6: invented this game called Who's Jizz, where you have to just decide, and everyone has to do it. Like, who, if you had to make a baby with a celebrity's man's jizz, who would you pick? Now, it sounds like an easy game. It's really hard to win at this game because everyone's suggestions are terrible. So m- one of my friends came up with Monty Don. The gardener? The gardener. I think she, that's who my mum would pick. Yeah, exactly. And then, um, and then someone else like, was banging on about this celebrity like Instagram vet. And I panicked and shouted, Barack Obama, <laughs> which was apparently a, a, a terrible choice. And then I brought it home to Grace and she chose, this is disgusting, Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs>
2: said, All right, I, a short I, game. I, I panicked, <laughs> and I just I just listened to him on Desert Island Discs, and he sounded like a really nice guy. So
0: Daniel Radcliffe, Daniel Radcliffe, you're Harry Potter's babies. Ooh, his missus is super, <laughs> pregnant. His missus is super well, pregnant. So well, it's powerful, jizz, jizz, She's super she, pregnant. She she played that game and won. You said it was yeah, difficult to win, won. but she played it and won. So let's see someone else. I want someone else to lose, though. Christian, okay. where? It, Christ, Christian, I think Christian probably. I, I'm not. I want, I'm going to go out on a large limb and say Christian's not looking to get pregnant. He's got hardly. his own jizz. I think he comes. Uh, his, body, his body produces its own. I think. That's but fair I don't know, this, like I feel, uh, like the Virgin Mary. Oh God, I'm sorry, Christian. You've not come here for this. I'm so sorry. I feel. I'm so sorry, Lola. Let's play with you. Mm. Uh, Lola, who's jizz? No, no. Oh, she's ripping! Re- <laughs> She had her answer ready. Oh, Who would you pick, Deb? I John Ham, but I, obviously. But I, I do I get to? Jizz Ham. Do I get to have it, the, the... Collect the, the jizz. The, yeah, do I get to? Have no, it no, no, it, no, no, no. I? You don't get sex.
6: You just get the jizz in, in a vial. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know that, Lola,
0: when you answered? It, it's. <laughs> it's it's going to be delivered by courier, Lola, and yeah. you have to turkey baste it in. Um, anyone else got a suggestion? They think will top Trumps that? Dermot O'Leary. Dermot O'Leary. Dermot, Dermot. Dermot O'Leary. Dermot O'Leary. I can totally see that. I think he'd be a good dad. Yes. David Tennant. David Tennant. David Tennant. Oh. Hey. David Who? Oh, no. David Gandhi. David Gandhi. Yeah, the model. Oh, the model. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Good, good idea. Yes. Jamie from Outlander.
2: Is that not
0: a fictional character? (laughs)
5: Oh,
2: the actor. Fair
5: enough.
2: Well, I'm
0: convinced now. (laughs) Uh, The actor... You need to read it and see it to believe it and then you need to... I still think that's going to work around the fictional jizz part if I read it, but anyway. Then you need to collect the semen and inseminate yourself (laughs) to get the full... If you're a real fan, if you're a real fan. Anybody, any more for any more? Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking. That actually... Very, very intellectual. Very intellectual. Lovely Um, Lovely jizz. He is in a very... I think... I'm so sorry to break this to you. I think he's dead he's got he's some cheese knocking about frozen somewhere
6: do, you, do, you, do you, you I do think so do you yeah I think we could hmm? he's, dead. Yeah. Yeah, he's dead he's, oh, dead. Mike. he's not
0: dead yeah, No, I'm so sorry he's, he's, he's ill oh. and it's not looking good um, I don't want to upset you live on stage but yeah he's not, he's not I well I just didn't hear about that yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, listen. Please enjoy that in the privacy of your own home. Um, enjoy that game. It's an insane it's a c- note to end on, isn't it? It's well, a Christmas game, isn't it? Good yeah. round the table. With your nan? Yeah, lovely, lovely stuff. Could we change it to like who who would impregnate you anywhere? Or something because the word "jizz" I find off-putting. What do you like? What word do you use? For, what word do I use for jizz? I would never mention it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would literally never mention it. No, it would never come up. I would if, if I well if I had to that say that solves the problem in itself doesn't it if I had to say it I would say fluid <laughs> fluid that's S- horny semen, bodily fluid S- semen I think is quite a sophisticated word semen <laughs> spermatozoa that's lovely actually that's poetic I think it's I'm going to put that in a I think poem. spermatozoa is only one though isn't it is it one spermatozoa oh more two sperm um <laughs> I'm going to read, because I just wanted to just... So there's something on the theme for the podcast. I, I came up with reasons to stop trying hard to be perfect. A perfect person has never led a revolution. Anyone trying to create a perfect piece of art creates a mediocre derivative one or an outlandish one trying hard to be clever or interesting rather than something from the heart and soul of a flawed human being that will speak to other human beings. The closer you get to someone else's idea of perfection, the more frustrated you get that you can't get all the way there and ironically, the more inadequate you feel. How can I be so close and yet still fall so short? The perfection seeker thinks. The perfection quester can only see the 20% still missing and berates herself and hates her own work. The action and change quester sees the 80% that's there now where nothing stood before. As Sondheim wrote in Sunday in the Park with George about the work of a painter, studying the hat, entering the world of the hat, reaching through the world of the hat like a window. Back to this one from that. Starting on a hat, finishing a hat. Look, I made a hat where there never was a hat. There are no perfect hats in art, in life, in feminism, in activism, in representation. But there are our hats where there never were our hats before. Uh, The teacher and director who taught me this, Keith Johnston, who died this week, said as a child he questioned everything his teachers did and noticed that they only rewarded children who looked like they were trying hard. If you looked relaxed and you were just thinking and enjoying your thought process, they would say, you you're not even trying. But if you screwed up your face and looked hard at your paper like you were trying and it was very difficult for you, they would come around and do it for you. (laughs) So we have learnt to look as if we are trying hard, to perform trying for perfection. And it's only when we relax our shoulders and breathe and be and just have a go at making a hat that we have any chance at all of success or happiness. Thank you very much.
5: Yeah.
0: Grace Petrie, Deborah Francis White, people haven't come all this way out here to not hear you sing. Oh gosh, is that true? Would you would you close our show which has run over with a song? I'd love to do a song. Yeah, I'm going to go over here for it. Grace Petrie everybody. <laughs>
2: Be good. Thank you very much. Oh gosh, I'm so fucking close to you guys, aren't I? Wow. This is going to be bloody intimate, isn't it? Bloody. Um, maybe I'll come back a little bit. Um, um, yeah. Well, listen. Um, I what I can say about perfectionism is that uh, I spend a lot of time feeling very unqualified for this job. Um, I can't read music um, and I never studied uh, I never went to university I never did a music degree or anything like that so I I spent uh, 15 years working in in music and uh, and quite a lot of the time I feel like I don't really know what I'm doing Um, but what I learned um, about 10 years ago is that um, fucking everybody feels like that whatever job they're doing, right? So I wrote this song um, and it's called Nobody Knows That I'm a Fraud um, give me a shout if you've ever suffered from imposter syndrome yes and then there are one or two liars in as well aren't there bloody because so I think we all have anyway this is uh, called nobody I'm or fraud I guess I I don't watch PMQs as often as you might expect I only live-tweet question time for comedic effect I've never read Virginia Woolf or any Bertolt Brecht And nobody knows that I'm a fraud It's often been alleged that I'm as hard left as can be But my idea of edgy is an unknown brand of tea And I'm not even veggie, let alone dairy-free Nobody knows that I'm a fraud But I'll get up underneath the lights until I feel adored But I'll never tell you anything, I think you won't applaud Oh, it might not always be the truth, but it'll have three chords Nobody knows that I'm a fraud Nobody knows that I'm a fraud Well, dressing how I do, I find I often get mistook by graphic novel fans who judge me on the way I look. But I just like Batman shirts, I've never read a comic book. Nobody knows that I'm a fraud. When people call me a musician, it makes my palms perspire. I took grade one piano and I never got no higher. And if I didn't have this capo, then you'd all see I'm a liar Nobody knows that I'm a fool But I'll get up underneath the lights until I feel adored And I'll never tell you anything, I think you won't applaud Oh, it might not always be the truth, but it'll have three chords Nobody knows that I'm a fraud And some days I'm just so sure we'll never win And some days I get so knackered from refusing To let that in, to let that in Whoa. Well, some days life feels like a play that you have not rehearsed but one thing's true of all of us sharing this universe is that we could all be doing better and we could all be doing worse. And everyone you know feels like a fraud. Come on and get up underneath the lights until you feel adored. But never tell them anything you think they won't applaud. Oh, it might not the truth but it'll have three chords nobody knows that I'm a fraud oh it might not always be the truth but it'll have three chords and I guess I'll take up spoken word I wrote this song before we were together <laughs> when I run out of course because nobody knows that I'm a fraud
0: Uh, <laughs> Christian, Lola how many stars on Trust Palo? Gosh there's only one answer there isn't there there's only one answer, a really quick answer I'm so nobody 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 wants to hear that Christian nobody wants to hear that nobody wants to hear that Five. Ha- thank you if everybody else could go onto iTunes and leave us five stars uh, because Christian's going to bring our average down that would really help. <laughs> you can leave it for any episode. You can leave it for any episode. So just go on there and leave us five stars or maybe go online and tell, or tell someone with your face about the show. That'd be really lovely. Uh, Christian, uh, uh, you said that you were going to decide if you were a feminist based on tonight. What do you think? You think so? You think so? Listen, <laughs> gang. <laughs> <laughs> Only four and a half. For the patriarchy, but we've won him over. Come on. All I have to say, Christian, is um, my father (laughs) sat at the table choking on the bone. I think it was the wing, it had slid around, you see. He was arguing with my mother and it just got stuck not one of us helped him (laughs) we just sat and stared into his green eyes as they bulged almost out of his face mother, I said don't, she said (laughs) I didn't she wouldn't by the time the ambulance came there was very little of him left No breath in his face, no life in the eyes. Just a swollen tongue. It seemed fitting. At his funeral. A second wife on the right, a mistress on the left. Fourteen half-brothers and sisters (laughs) that I had never met. Thirteen of them I've never seen again. One lies here at my feet in this coffin tonight. <laughs> now may I lick you. <laughs> Thank you very much. We've been the Guilty Feminists. I've been Deborah Francis-White. Good night. You have been listening to the Guilty Feminists with me, Deborah Francis-White, guest co-host Grace Petry, and our very special guest, Molly Naylor recording engineer was Grundy Lazimbra. the Guilty Feminist theme tube was by Mark Harch, the producer was Tom Solinski for the sponsor Data Shop, thanks to Rachel Craftman, Gina Dacio, Zaina Muhammad, and everyone at Soho Theatre as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes visit guiltyfeminist.com
5: Tom,
0: Tom? where is Tom? This happened last night. Sorry. This I... is another monologue. There is no Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, my clipboard's not here. Are you there? Because my clipboard's not here. What do you? What, what okay. do you want to pro- know? I could probably improvise the opening title. Let's, let's improvise them. Okay. Sure. Okay. All right. This is. Let me give it. Let me give it a go. All right. It's called the Guilty Feminist. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I'll do the bit I know. This is the explanation of the show. If you don't know it, this is the Guilty Feminist. The Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.